Okay, so yesterday we were talking about the fact that morals that are not dependent on the Torah, that are not coming from the definition of how Hashem defines morals and how it gets defined either through the written Torah or through the oral Torah, are not, are not the same thing as, def, as morals that have come to us from Hashem. And the morals that have come to us from Hashem very often will contradict what we feel to be correct intuitively. So continuing in chapter three, one of the obligations of morality is that a person should try to instill in his heart this great principle. In any case in which one finds oneself in opposition to a fellow Jew, one has to weigh the matter in accordance with halacha in order to define the persecutor and the persecuted, right? The famous case where you see someone running after someone else and he has a gun out and you think, uh-oh, the guy running after someone else with a gun in his hand, I'm going to stop him. He's the persecutor. And what do you do? You shoot the guy running after him. And it turns out that what was it? It was really a plainclothes detective who was chasing after a serial killer. And this was his final chance to get him. And instead, you killed the detective who would have protected the world from the other person, right? So it's always important to recognize who is the persecutor and who is the persecuted. And how do we define that? The study of perfecting one's character trait instills in one love and pity for the persecuted and severe condemnation of the persecutor. Right? So first of all, we have to actually work on perfecting our own character traits to actually figure out what is the thing that is, who should we feel bad for? If it's someone who we should feel bad for, how do we feel bad for them? And if it's someone who we should be angry at for doing the wrong thing, how to carry out those actions as well? How terrible is then the danger of misidentifying the persecutor as the persecuted and vice versa? The only way to know the truth is to study the books of the halachic authorities, those books of rulings that we have received from the great rabbis of the past. All the diligent study and efforts to acquire good character traits will be of no help if one has not acquired this principle. For when one disagrees with a fellow Jew, one is certain to decide the matter in accordance with one's natural tendencies. And even if these have been refined and perfected, often they will not be in accordance with the halacha that was handed down from heaven. Right? Very important. So let's say you have someone who naturally is a really giving person and is just incredibly empathetic and they were born that way and they grew up in a household in which their parents are like that as well. So they always train them to be always constantly thinking of the other. And that's incredibly important in halacha as well. However, and they work on this and they constantly work on it. But if it's not in accordance with halacha that was handed down from heaven through the written Torah and through the oral Torah, then you might be coming from a very good place, but because it is corrupted, it will be the best of good intentions that will pave the road, right? So it's very, very different if it's coming with the morality that is handed down through, from heaven through the Torah. It's a very different basis of judgment. If the basis of judgment is perverted, all its results will also be foreign to the Jewish way and destructive. So it goes back to that original case where you have the teachers who were currently had everyone in the, in the town was learning from these specific teachers. And then we had other teachers coming from out of town and taken away from their business. So what did we say will happen? The above mentioned local teachers will be crying out, asking to be saved from their persecutors, right? It's the same exact situation where it's a local retailer, that little makolat in the, in the Israeli kibbutz, and your school teacher. They're exactly the same situation. And both of them will be crying out, asking to be saved for them, from their persecutors. While the response from heaven to this is, woe to those who act like Zimri and ask for Pinchas's reward. Who is Zimri? Zimri is the fellow who is, ends up doing a, an act with a Midianite princess while they're in the desert. And Pinchas, the zealot, comes and kills him while doing this. 
So one looking from the outside would say Pinchas is a cold-blooded murderer, right? But the Torah tells us that he did a big mitzvah. So the ones who are saying, oh, it's awful, they're coming, they're persecuting me, it's not fear. Really, they themselves are the persecutor, the one who's saying this. For you are the one who does not take Torah law into account. God wrote in his Torah that it is not right to hinder the new school teachers from coming to town. So the definition of who's the persecutor and who's the persecuted is always going to be dependent on how does the Torah define it. A person's evil inclination is especially active when the sin is hidden and unclear. For the force in man's heart that condemns destructive behavior, the force that aids a person in his battle against the body's desires and wishes, this force is dormant and it lacks the power to condemn the evil results of a crooked judgment. So a, a little bit of context what he's referring to here. The Yetzer Tov, the good inclination, is the abstract thought process. And the abstract thought process, generally speaking, when it goes up against your Yetzer Hara, right, your physical, your instinctual attitude and your instinctual behaviors, normally without being trained in the battle, it's going to lose. The Talmud tells us that you have no chance against the Yetzer Hara unless you do a, a serious a weightlifting regimen. In this example, the weightlifting regimen is to learn Torah and to figure out what the correct behavior are. Without knowing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, you're not going to be equipped in that battle against that Yetzer Hara. That the Yetzer Tov is dormant. It doesn't have the power to condemn evil results of a crooked judgment. Now here, a beautiful line. I love this line. I use this line all the time. It says, feelings do not take note of halacha, right? And the converse of that is halacha doesn't necessarily take note of feelings, right? Because feelings can be coming from your instincts. Feelings can be coming from any sort of corrupt biases that you've developed along the way, whether it's from your environment, whether it's because by nature we have a certain uh, inclination to go a specific way, a certain tendency to go a specific way. And that's what our feelings are coming from. So in terms of feelings, we may be feeling this is the right thing to do. But in terms of halacha, there might be the exact opposite. It's very important to recognize that our feelings and halacha don't always coincide. And if one follows one's emotions, it will not even occur to him to examine the possibility of the judgment being fallacious, right? In today's world, it's always about data, right? It's not about feelings. It's no longer about, um, you know, impulses. It's not about, I just have a sense in my heart that this is going to work, right? We don't do that anymore. We say people who make decisions like that is foolish. Now that we do have the ability to, to data, that to, to utilize the data in a way to make informed decisions, if someone would say, I don't need the data. I'm just going to go with my, with my gut, right? It would say that they're silly, right? So it's the same thing with this. You have the ability to listen to the Torah, and the Torah is correct. The Torah is the best data out there. And instead, you say, well, I'm just going to go with my gut. That would be foolish, right? It would be like a, you know, a baseball manager saying today, I don't have to follow what the statisticians say. I'm just going to go with my gut every single time. It, it would be silly. It is therefore not all that surprising to find individuals whose character traits have been refined to a certain extent but whom we suddenly see under particular circumstances displaying a different trait. So what does he mean? What he means to say is that they have refined it on a natural level and they've been reading, you know, things about, um, about Mother Teresa and they've been reading stuff from, from, I forget the name, Tarot, right? And they're reading things about how to make yourself into a better person. So they're trying, they're trying, but all of a sudden they walk, they've been talking a certain talk the whole time. But now it comes to, when they get involved in a weighty conflict with a fellow Jew, they refuse to heed the opinion of the wise, nor do they seek out a halachic ruling. Instead, they find themselves deeply embroiled in conflict, 
all the refinement of their souls having disappeared into thin air. Right. So what he's saying is like this. What he's saying is in this specific circumstance where it comes to a, a dispute between two Jews, uh, God-fearing Jews, what should they be doing? They should be seeking out the advice of a Bezdin, of a Jewish court. They should be going to a court and telling them, listen, we are currently are involved in a halachic dispute involving some sort of monetary question. And the, the Bezdin should sit there and get all the information and deliberate and figure out what the correct movement forward is. And sometimes the Bezdin, most of the time, the Bezdin is going to aim for a compromise. Right? But instead, they didn't go to the Bezdin and they tried to make their decisions based on their feelings because they are very refined and very They've done a good job working on their character trait. But in truth, it's not so simple. Because in truth, when it's a question involving yourself, and it's a question involving yourself when it's just on what you've been naturally working on your character trait your entire life, what will end up happening is inevitably you will fall prey to what I think is right. Because that's that's just human nature, right? Our biases take over. And therefore, the only way to really define this and to figure out what to do correctly is to go figure out what the halacha is going to say and to involve a, a dispassionate observer to find out what the halacha is. And that, that's just one, one point that he wants to, you know, is working on that for the past three days, as far as we're concerned, to figure out exactly how to say this in a, in a very clear and precise way, the importance of recognizing that our emotions are not necessarily always the right thing to do. And halacha sometimes will go contra to our emotions, but that's still the correct thing to do because our emotions are coming from two different places. They're coming from that good place, from the Yetzir Tov, the abstract thought process and the, the things which we've been affected by the, by the Torah, but they're also at the same time affected by the Yetzir Hara that is completely taking us in the wrong way and constantly trying to divert us off of that track. And we always need to remember, follow the Torah to keep us on the straight and narrow. Take care. Good night, everyone.